Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. Gen of ministry. You're just, you're ready to step across the threshold into a new dimension of ministry for this house, for Destiny City. I know that this year marks your ninth anniversary. Next year is 10. And I did check that out and it is open. So I went ahead and put it on the calendar. Um, But I want to say to you, nine is the number of the Holy Spirit. And so this is the year that he wants to break out and break on us with fresh gifts, with fresh anointing, and with fresh divine favor. But you do understand, he said, we go from glory to glory. Everybody that I know wants to go to new glory. But the biggest hindrance to us experiencing new glory is the glory we already have. And you have to go from glory to get to glory. You go from glory to another glory. But if you refuse to turn loose of where he's brought you to, you can never go anywhere else. And some people went to a good place in God and instead of dwelling in a tent ready to move at the prompting of the Holy Spirit, they put down concrete foundations and they've been singing ever since, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Though an angel from heaven or even God move me, I shall not be moved. And there they stand and there they sit Never going to another dimension of glory and of strength in God. The children of Israel coming out of Egypt on their journey to Canaan, that's a picture of the Christian life. And there was no permanent dwelling in that. The tabernacle was all portable. God moved. The cloud of glory moved. And they moved with the cloud of glory. That is where we need to live. Do you understand me? Thank God for every revelation he's given us. Thank God for every new truth. Thank God for every new square foot of territory he's given us. But don't put your concrete foundations down. We're not home yet. We are pilgrims and strangers here on a journey. And as long as we live here, we need to be ready and willing to change as the Holy Spirit guides, as He teaches, as He instructs us. Are we all on the same sheet? Okay. So in order to say that, I want to just say to you, we all want to grow. I want to see this house filled. I want to see it filled to the point you have to go to two services or more and beyond. Compliments to you, by the way, on the ladies' retreat, the men's retreat, the uh, the ministry that uh, tonight on uh, ministering to people with PTSD uh, and reaching out other things. This is how you bless your community. You provide things to bless the people who live here. And if you do that, they'll come. Amen. Now, with all of that, I want to say to you that there's a cost for growing. 
Uh, it was on the front page of the newspapers in our county some years ago in Canton. It was the Waynesville Mountaineer. And uh, it was on the front page, banner headline, man attacked in church, rushed to the ER. I thought, my goodness, why in the world would a man be attacked at church? Well, he was a visitor. First time he'd ever been there, he came in a certain church. And I could take you to the building. And he sat down on a certain seat. And a man came in a little bit later and said, you're going to have to move. That's my seat. Well, this guy that had come in visiting, was belligerent, he said, it's not your seat. I'm sitting here. He said, well, that's my seat. I sit there every Sunday. He said, if you wanted it, you should have got here earlier. I'm not moving. And the newspaper account said, and the church member jumped on him, physically attacked, attacked him, began to pummel him, and eventually bit him bit him on the neck, I mean, just was going berserk. The man had to be rushed to the hospital and it took 102 stitches to sew this man up from the bites that this church member gave him. Well, the man survived. I have no idea whether he got saved. I doubt it happened that day, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I'll bet you one thing, he didn't go back there. I'll bet you the other thing was that church never had to worry about an overflow of attendees and visitors. Because once that was plastered on the front page of the newspaper, even if I was going to attend a church, that would have been the last one on my list. There's a price for growth. And that means you don't always get to sit where you like to sit and with whom you like to sit. You don't get the favorite parking places. And you, right now, everybody in here pretty much knows everybody else. You know everybody else, and to some extent, for better or worse, you know most everybody's business. I heard those amens, omes. But as a church grows, you don't have that. And that's why the larger a church gets, the more important it is to have small groups whether it's a ladies' group, a men's group, a PTSD group, a ministry group, or a recovery group, or whatever. But that's where the body learns to be the family. Because a church of 2,000, it's too big for everybody to know everybody. Or a church of 1,000, or even 500. So there are prices to be paid for growth. And I want to say to you, those prices are worth it. Because those prices enable you the price you pay to have more people, it's the price that enables you to reach out and be a greater blessing to this community. To do more things that a smaller church simply cannot do because you don't have the resources. So don't back up. Keep moving forward and pray for God to send the harvest in. Amen. All right. Uh, one other thing. We do have a conference, a CLM conference that we have annually. This year, it will be April, two weeks before Easter, April 8, 9, and 10, and it'll be in Washington, North Carolina. That's the first city in the nation that was named after George Washington in Washington, North Carolina, uh, down in, in Beaufort County. Now, those of you from South Carolina, you might think that's pronounced Buford, but it's Beaufort, North Carolina. And uh, so it'll be there at Harvest Church, Marvelous Church that uh, God is moving mightily in there. 
uh, in the eastern North Carolina. You're all invited. There's no registration fee. Uh, just come and enjoy the presence of the Lord. All right. I want to uh, share with you quickly this morning, as quickly as I can, and that depends on how quickly you listen. Uh, but I want to share with you from Matthew chapter 28, 19, and 20. We generally call that the Great Commission. Uh, and it is a commission that is given to all of us. But there are a lot of great commissions in the Word. But Jesus said, verses 18, 19, 20, read all three. This is at the very end of His ministry, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection. And Jesus came and spoke to them, His disciples, saying... All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Let me just stop there. The word go therefore or go ye therefore in the King Jim, literally it isn't saying, all right, now go. It is saying, as you go, make disciples. Everybody in here is going. You're going to the grocery store. You're going to the hairstylist. You're going to get your car service. So we are going, and what is that literal, the translation and the, the verb there is, and as you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or stand guard over all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. I want to talk to you a little bit about authority. Uh, authority. And I want to just mention to you four things this morning about authority. Authority is something, uh, I appreciate what Morris Sheets said several years ago, uh, he was ministering, and, and I love Morris. He's, he's a character all by himself. But uh, he said, uh, you know, he said authority is kind of like soap, a bar of soap. The more you use it, the more you lose it. <laughs> that if, if you have to use it, and it's kind of like a genie rubbing the lamp. If you got to put on a show to do it, it gets smaller and smaller, and it reduces and it lessens. Authority is a wonderful thing. But it's also a very powerful thing that can be powerful good or it can produce destructive power. There have been a lot of people in history who had authority, who misused it, who abused it, and the result was painful and deadly, sometimes resulting in the death of millions of people. But in the kingdom of God, God has established authority. I want to tell you there is authority in heaven. There's not anarchy in heaven, and there's not democracy in heaven, but there is authority and government in heaven established by God. I also want you to understand that God's kingdom on this earth also operates by divine authority. Heaven's authority, but also delegated authority that he has placed on men and women and in men and women here on the earth. I've heard people say, somebody asked me sometime back, years ago, in fact, this person uh, uh, cabbed a ride from me, said he sent his wife on home from a conference and then informed me, I'm riding home with you. 
He didn't ask. And I said, well, okay, I do have room. I can shift stuff around. Okay. And he said, the reason I wanted to ride with you after we got on the road, he said, I need you to teach me and I want you to tell me how to be an apostle. And I said, uh, well, I don't know that I'm the person you need to talk to. He said, well, why not? I mean, it's obvious that you are an apostle. You walk in that uh, gifting. And I said, well, I understand that. But no person decides to become an apostle or a pastor or a teacher or a prophet, any of the fivefold ministry. God calls whom he chooses. Then you have a decision to say yay or nay. Yes, I will. Or no, I'm going to rebel. And God help you if that's your decision. But you don't just say, I think I'm going to be an apostle or whatever. That's God's initiative, and it is God's prerogative to choose whom he pleases. And he said, not many noble, not many great ones, but some. You're not excluded because you maybe have a great education or natural abilities. That doesn't automatically exclude you, but it doesn't automatically include you either. And so I said to him, well, why do you ask such a thing? He said, well, I'm getting ready to be made, uh, put in as pastor of a, a congregation that is an apostolic church, been headed by an apostle. And I need to learn how to be an apostle if I'm going to pastor this church so that I can be what I need to be. And I said, well, let me just make it as simple as I know how. You becoming the pastor of a church that has been an apostolic church doesn't any more make you an apostle than walking in your garage makes you a car. <laughs> you may be in that place, but that place does not define who you are. The reason that church is an apostle is because it has been led by a man who is an apostle and that church, therefore, has taken on his calling, his giftings, his nature, his priorities, and it became an apostolic church for that reason. If it had been headed by a prophet, it would be very strongly a prophetic church. Your gifting, as nearly as I can see, is you are an anointed teacher. And so if you go there and you become the senior minister there and you stay there for five years or more, that church will become a great teaching church. That doesn't mean that it has devolved or that it has somehow lessened, but it will change to reflect the primary gifting of the senior minister. And so I tried to explain it as best I could. He said, okay, okay, I agree with all that. Now, how do I be an apostle? I said, well, okay. So I just uh, basically gave up on that uh, endeavor. Uh, you either have a revelation from God and you understand some of those things or you, we many people are stuck in a denominational paradigm. We may use the words, but we really do not understand the functions or the value of a full-orbed five-fold ministry. And let me just say to you, I do not believe any person, male or female, young or old, any one person has everything a church needs to be healthy. See, that's why he called a five-fold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And by the way, did you notice it wasn't apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and missionary? Do you understand what we call missionaries 
is not a separate ministry calling. They are simply apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers that God has called and assigned to serve in a different culture than where they grew up and were raised. That's all. So let's not try to create a separate gifting or calling from God and try to make up qualifications for it. God decided what it was, and so they are that. They are those, and that's wonderful. Now, authority. Uh, God has put authority in people on the earth, and, there's, and Jesus is the best example that I can give you of operating in authority and under authority and with divine authority. He's our example, and I want to tell you, he did it well. And so I just want to mention to you four things. Number one, uh, Jesus developed his authority. And I want to say to you, everyone here, you have, if you're born again, you have a measure of divine authority in your life. But you can develop that authority. You can increase it and you can develop it. And the first way you do that is submit yourself to God. Pursue God. Eagerly, passionately pursue God, his kingdom, and his way. Now, there's nothing wrong with expressing your preferences. Hello? But don't insist on your preferences. Jesus is our example. Father, if it is possible, please let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless... What? Nevertheless, what? Not my will, but thy will be done. Nothing wrong with saying, oh God, I don't want to walk there. Oh God, I don't want to go there. But nevertheless, at your command, at your voice, I will be obedient and I will do whatever it is you've asked me to do. It's not sin to say, I don't like this. I don't want to go. It's okay. As long as you follow it with, but God, regardless of my preferences, I'm yours. And where you send me, I will go. And what you feed me, I will eat. <laughs> Hallelujah. We can develop our authority by being obedient, by passionately pursuing God to know His ways. You say, well, how do you get to know God's ways? Do you just read the book? Well, that's part of it. But the best thing I can tell you is walk with Him. Chuck, I've had people come to me constantly and they say, you know, I want you to be my spiritual father. I want you to be this. I want this. God's... And I said, well, listen, let's just not get married. Let's, let's just walk together for a while and see how that goes. You may walk with me and you say, Shoot, I don't want to be around this guy. Well, that's good. If we're just walking together, we just walk in separate directions. We don't have to have a divorce. I mean, it doesn't have to be a big deal. And if it is God, the longer we walk together, more we will understand and appreciate and value each other. Let's not just make a bunch of promises to one another on the first date. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You can develop authority by walking with God. You learn to know his ways. You learn to appreciate that he knows more than you do. Everybody in here ought to have said amen there. 
whether you understand it or not, we know he knows more than you do. The, the big deal is, do you understand that? It's really good when you come to the point for yourself that you understand he's perfect in all his ways as we were singing this morning. Lord, you are perfect in all your ways. The ones I can see some of the understanding and even those that I absolutely don't understand, you're perfect in all your ways. Amen. Pursue Papa God. Be faithful with what you have been given. If he's measured, given you a measure of authority, exercise it with graciousness and with faithfulness. Be diligent with what you have. The Word of God says if you do well with what you've been given, He'll give you more. Mm. Uh, I'm not preaching on tithing this morning, but I would be negligent if I don't hit it a lick as we go by. People say, oh God, give me, give me, give me more, more, more. Oh God, I need, Lord, I, I, I need. Listen, one of the, God speaks and when he speaks, he doesn't always say what you like to hear. I was really praying because we had financial needs, our family and, and the church. And we, I was praying and I was sincere. God, give us more money. We need money for this. We need money for that. And God interrupted my praying and he was what I felt was rude. He said to me, and he said it very clearly, when I can trust you with more, I will give you more. I was offended. I said, well, now, God, now, let me just explain to you. I mean, maybe you haven't looked at my money, but let me just tell you. Let me explain to you. Whatever God says, he's right. So just start there. Start with that. And if he said, you cannot be trusted with more at this stage, he's right. So after I got over being offended and mad and upset and trying to explain to him how I was faithful, I really stewed about it. I did not tell Shirley what he said to me. Yeah. If I had, I'd still be hearing it preached back at me probably. But I said, Lord, help me. Help me. I, I want to be faithful. And if I'm unfaithful, show me where and show me how I can correct it. And the Lord directed me to a scripture that I love, and it's underlined in my Bible, my Bibles. And that is <clears throat> in uh, Jeremiah. And he said, uh, I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, who teaches you to profit. P-R-O-F-I-T, not P-H, profit. Buy low, sell high. And I'm the, I'm the Lord your God, and I will teach you to profit. And I said, well, God, I, I obviously need that lesson. So if you're teaching, I'm learning. Sign me up for that class. Now, I want to say to you, the same thing is true, not just with money, but if you're not faithful with your tithe, with giving offerings and with giving alms to the poor and the needy. If God can't trust you to do with that, what makes you think he's going to entrust the true riches of the kingdom, which are the souls of men, into your hands? Hello? If you're a thief and a God robber and stingy and miserly with stuff, 
Why in the world would God entrust souls to you? Which is of far greater value than stuff. Just a thought. Okay. How do I develop? You pursue God. You passionately pursue God. You learn His ways. You walk with Him. You be faithful with what you do have. And the last one on how to develop your faith. Resist the devil. Resist the devil. If you resist him, he'll flee from you. But it, you've got to resist him. He's not going to flee from you just because he caught sight of you. There's going to be some resistance that you're going to have to demonstrate, and then he will flee. Number two. There's, number one was ways to develop your faith. Number two, uh, Jesus' authority was given, not taken. I appreciate what you said about money, about offerings, tithes. We don't take offerings, we receive them. And I want to say to you, I make no bones and no, make no apologies for talking about money. Jesus talked a lot about it. And the best way I know to get you blessed is to teach you how to sow and give and invest in God's economy and God's kingdom. That's not for my benefit, it's for your benefit. Uh, what I do with my money can benefit me. If I sow it in the work of the kingdom. Uh, and the best way to do that is to realize that you are simply a steward of everything he's given you. Every bank account you have, I don't care whose name is on it. I don't care who the signatories are. If you're a born again believer, that bank account's God's money. You're simply managing it for him. And you will give an account to him for what you did with what he put in your hand. You all agree with that? I do, absolutely. Every, not just that, but the same thing is true with authority. Whatever authority he has invested in you does not belong to you. It's been entrusted to you by him. It's his authority. And he will require you to give an account for what you've done with it and how you handled it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me recommend a book to you if you haven't read it or heard of it. Uh, it's a book by Gene Edwards, and it's not a big, long book, but it's entitled A Tale, T-A-L-E, A Tale of Three Kings. And it's the story of Saul and David and David's son Absalom and how each of them dealt with and related to authority. Uh, it's a powerful book, and it is so applicable to us today where we live and where we walk. Gene Edwards, G-E-N-E, -E, Edwards. Uh, you can buy it in most Christian bookstores. You can certainly get it online, online at Amazon and through other several places. But I strongly encourage you to read it. Uh, it'll rattle your cage, but it'll help you if you will let God teach you the lessons in that book. Uh, anything that you have to fight to get, fight for to get, you're going to have to fight to keep it. So if you take authority and you wrest it from somebody, you can be sure there's somebody saying, I think I can take him. I think I can beat her. I can do it. I, I, I think I can do it. And you're always having to fend off those who want to take what you took. But if something's given to you, especially given to you by God, you don't have to defend it from anybody and you don't have to 
defend how you got it or where it came from, and you don't have to fight anybody for it or to keep it. Now, I like that. Because if he gives you authority and he has vested a measure of divine delegated authority in you, you don't have to prove anything. You just know who you are and you walk in that authority. And praise God, you don't have to fight anything or anybody but two. You have to fight your own pride and ego. And secondly, you have to fight the devil. But other than that, you just walk along and be who God said you are and do what he said do. And they'll have to decide what they're going to do with it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus never tried to prove his case to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, or the people who were constantly coming after him, demanding and setting traps for him, theological traps and asking questions that any answer would get him in trouble. And yet he just simply walked in the grace and the authority that God had given him and it brought confusion to them. In fact, even there, his enemies said they were shocked because he taught them as one having authority, not as one of the scribes or the theologian, theological uh, professors of the day. He didn't have to prove a point. He didn't have to try to make them do it his way. I know you've all heard the saying, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. <laughs> you may demolish his arguments. I mean, you may just utterly disprove everything he said. But if he has not had a revelation, you had not changed anything. And Jesus didn't worry about trying to make people change. He just spoke truth with authority. And then every man, every woman listening had a decision to make. And I want to say to you, these are lessons for us. Number one, you can develop the level of authority you have. You want more authority? You're going to have to do it God's way. Draw near to God. Be passionate in your pursuit of Him. Walk with Him. Resist the devil. Use what you got. Secondly, understand that authority is given, uh, which is wonderful. It's delivered to you. It's not something you've conquered and taken from someone else. Thirdly, Jesus demonstrated his authority. How did he do that? Very simply. I mean, he just he didn't ask anybody's permissions. He just said, daughter, your sins are forgiven you. Now that's authority. <laughs> and it just it drew it absolutely. The theologians had flat tire after flat tire over that. I mean, they said, Who, how can you do that? How can you say, blah, 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 blah? I mean, they were barking like dogs. He said, just go your way. Your sins are forgiven. I release you. That's authority. He healed the sick. Even on the Sabbath day, which was against the religious laws. I mean, he didn't set out to deliberately mess them up. But when you walk in divine authority, you understand that the, the laws of man, I'm not talking about the legal laws, I'm talking about the traditions of men, the religious laws, are not what govern your life. 
I mean, most of us, if we grew up in church, if you're my age, God help you, or <laughs> even a lot of younger than me, I grew up every Sunday, we'd say, Brother Ray wants you to lead in prayer. Our most gracious and dear Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for this Sabbath day. It never crossed anybody's mind that Sunday's not the Sabbath. Never has been and never will be. But that was the theological law that we'd been. And so this is the Sabbath. You can't play ball on the Sabbath. You can't do any work on the Sabbath. You can't. Why? I mean, Jesus got in trouble. They were hungry. They were walking through a field of grain and just took some grain and kind of rubbed it between his hands and rubbed the chaff and the, the hull husk off of it and ate it. And the Pharisees just had a conniption. He's threshing grain on the Sabbath day. Why? Because their theological, philosophical, cultural fences did not apply to him. And I want to say to you, they don't need to apply to you. If you're walking with God's authority. Now that doesn't make a rebel out of you. And it doesn't give you the right to go and kick over somebody else's playhouse. It just means you don't have to play with them in their yard and pretend to be one of the dolls in their dollhouse. Hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're not to be obnoxious. On the other hand, we don't need to just roll over and play like a possum because the religious police walk by. We are to demonstrate the authority that's been given us by forgiving people's sins, by healing the sick. Let me go back to the Sabbath a minute, okay? Remember there was a big fuss in the, the church because most of the early church were Jews. The overwhelming majority, it was a Jewish church for the first decade. And that's why it was a big hassle when Peter felt impressed to the Lord and led by the Holy Spirit to go to Cornelius' house. And he preached and he had, came back and had to give a report to all the leaders of the church on why he dared to preach the gospel to Gentiles and why he baptized them, blah, 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 blah. The reason is because the church was a Jewish church. They'd been redeemed, born again by the Spirit, filled with the Holy Ghost, operating in signs and wonders, but they still were hemmed in by a lot of Jewish customs and laws. And so there was this issue that in Corinth when Paul wrote to them, who was a Jew and a product of that, but had been set free, writing to a Gentile church. And so the Jews were saying, well, now that you're saved, it's okay. You can be saved by grace through faith, but you're going to have to keep the law in order to stay saved. The Judaizers were big and walking around with a lot of clout. He said, listen, the more mature person understands and realizes that every day is holy before the Lord. And let me just say to you, Sunday is no more holy than Tuesday. Did you hear me? Sunday is no more holy than Thursday. You said, well, why do we meet on Sunday then? If God didn't command us to worship on Sunday. He didn't command us to worship on Sunday. He said we're to worship every day. 
You say, but the Bible calls Sunday the Lord's Day. Well, that's true, but I believe Friday's the Lord's Day too. And Monday. Take your pick. He said the mature Christian who's walking in the authority that God has put in you understands every day is holy unto the Lord. Sunday's no more holy. Well, why do we meet on Sunday? Very simple. The early church met on Sunday, not at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. They met by the tradition and history tells us a great deal before sunrise because it was done in honor of the fact that Jesus was resurrected on the first day of the week. So they met on the first day simply to celebrate that. But it wasn't a holiday. I mean, they would meet and worship and then go to work and did whatever they needed to do. And I want to say to you, there is nothing wrong with worshiping on Saturday just as much as Sunday, which was the Sabbath, the seventh day. It doesn't matter to me if you worship on Tuesday. And the church doors stay utterly shut on Sunday. I mean, Tuesday's no less holy than Sunday. But in our culture, it's easier to do it on Sunday because our culture has acclimated itself to the weekends being free from work. So that's fine. Is it wrong to worship on Sunday? Absolutely not. Not a thing wrong with it, as long as you understand that Sunday is no more holy than any of the other days. Does that make sense to you? See, if we understand that, then we demonstrate the authority God's given us. That's why it's okay to worship on Tuesday night with a home group. Glorify God. I mean, did you realize people can even get saved on Tuesday? They don't have to wait till Sunday. Wow, what a revelation. <laughs> Jesus demonstrated his authority. He forgave sins. He healed the sick. He cast out devils. And he didn't wait till Sunday to do it. I don't believe that we need to go around chasing devils. But I want to say this to you. If you're walking in the authority that God's invested in you, you're going to run up on them. That you don't have to go looking for them. They'll be coming looking for you. And you don't have to go to the uh, internet or to Google and, and hunt up a professional demon chaser. <laughs> he has invested authority in you. He said, all these signs shall follow them that believe. Not the professional exercisers. He taught with power. He demonstrated authority. He knew who he was. And that's a whole different sermon that I'm not going to preach today. I'm not even going to, I'm just going to say it and then go by, okay? I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question. That means I don't want you to answer me, but I do want you to think about it and answer it for yourself. Do you know who you are? It's a great message. Great question. Last thing, Jesus not only was delivered authority by God. He not only then developed it and demonstrated it, but lastly, Jesus distributed his authority. And he said, all power is given unto me and in, in heaven and in earth. Now, I'm saying to you, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. It was the same authority. 
Jesus didn't have a big Holy Ghost and you have a little one. It's the same Spirit that was in Jesus that lives in you. It's the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that resides in me and in you. He didn't take it back to heaven with him, that authority. He said, I give you authority over all the demons, over all the power of the enemy. Now go and do business. Hallelujah. That scripture that says, Occupy till I come, has absolutely nothing to do with that old gospel song, Hold the fort, for I am coming, Jesus signals still. Send the answer back to heaven, by thy grace we will. Hold the fort. We don't hold the fort. He said, if you want to do what you ought to do, get out and storm the gates of hell. We're not beleaguered in a defensive position. He has distributed to us his authority, his power. So rise up, men and women of God. Take the authority that he has given you freely. Receive it. And then demonstrate it. Put it to work. You say, well, I mean, I'm just a, a loan officer, a teller at the bank. I'm just, I'm a ditch digger. I'm a, I'm a, I work on the roofing crew. Well, if that's your problem, let me just clear it up. I hereby deputize you. Every one of you, as an agent of the kingdom of God, wherever you live, whatever you do, it doesn't matter with who you are. I deputize you to walk in the authority that Jesus Christ has freely given us. Be a son and a daughter of the kingdom of God. Rise up, O church, and take what he's offered you freely and say, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Be the light. Be the body of Christ. His hands, his feet out here in Salisbury and Rowan County and beyond. I bless you in Jesus' name. And if there's anybody here that has not been redeemed, you've not been saved, you haven't repented of your sins and turned your life over to him, today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not someday. Today is the day. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every man and woman in this house. Teach us, instruct us. And yes, Lord, goad us. Prod us to move beyond where we are into more that you have for us. Thank you that you've delivered to us authority. Help us to receive it. Demonstrate it. And then, Lord, to distribute it to others. In Jesus' name, bless this church, Destiny City Church, right here in Salisbury. Bless the senior minister in this house, Don, Lord, and Becky, and Chuck, and his wife, and all, not just them, but everybody who functions and serves in a position of ministry and authority in this house. Bless them. And even better, make them to be a blessing. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people in agreement, would you say amen? Amen. amen. Pastor. Frank, while I have you here, I, I want to do something. I want 
someone to go get Justin and Amanda if they could. They have to bring the kids out here. That's fine. But I, w- I want all of those who serve here, the A-team, John, everyone who's in a, in, in a position of leadership, to come. All week long, we've been, we've been teaching in Mexico about impartation, about divine impartation. To impart means to give a share of, to give something. But it can only impart as it comes from you. And one of the things that God gave us was divine authority that is imparted by the laying on of hands of those in authority. And, and I want, Frank, and, and I want you to lay hands and impart that apostolic anointing to those that God has placed in leadership here. And, and um, if, if we could, we could just get the oil. And we're going to have communion here in just a minute, but... This is something I feel is necessary, and I feel like it's right now is the time to do it. And, and Jeremy, if uh, you could just get, maybe get Lynn to come up and play softly on the guitar or something, and, and when you can come down here with us, and we'll just lay hands on you and anoint you. Uh, to anoint is, is my shock. It means to rub on the oil. And when we anoint, it's an impartation. And the impartation is the meleyad. It's, it's the ordination. It's to recognize the filling of the hand. Mele is, is to fill. Yad is the hand, authority. And it's to recognize that the ordination, the laying on of hands. Ordination is something that we do, but... You know, you can, you can go online and get a piece of paper that says you're ordained. That doesn't make you any more ordained than, like you said, a, 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 a cat could become a tree and hound. I mean, it, it just doesn't work. It's, it's something that we recognize. It's something that God does through the apostolic anointing. You carry that anointing, and I want you to impart that anointing to those who are in leadership here. Shirley, would you come also? Yes, our life group leaders, our Sunday school teachers, any, any of those who serve in any leadership role, would, would you come? We want to lay hands upon you and, and, and to impart to you that. Really, all of you. <laughs> because all of us are a minister. We are ministers in the kingdom of God. So if you want to have hands laid upon you, now that doesn't mean that, you know, just because we lay hands on you and everything that, that all of a sudden you have this authority that you can push people around and bully people. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means we recognize you have a call of God on your life. And God is, is and we're imparting something to you. And, and Frank, um, I don't know that ever since I've joined with EFI or anyone else, that I have officially had anyone lay hands on me for ordination. I have an ordination certificate in my office that was given to me. But I, 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 I request that of you. So let's do it. Father, I anoint my brother, this your servant. I anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord, I recognize the gift of God that you've put in him. The gift not only in him, but the gift that he is. Uh, As an apostle, as a man 
that you've called as a sent one who sends others. And Lord, I pray that even from this time forth, there will be a fresh anointing and a fresh opening of his eyes to see what he has not seen clearly before, but there will be a clarity of his vision in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. I want to say to you what Costa Deer said many years ago. You cannot effectively lead and effectively disciple others unless you see more for them than they see for themselves. And I want to speak to that right now. Lord, open these eyes, these spiritual eyes, to see more than this church than they see. To see more of these leaders than they see for themselves. And then boldly declare what God shows you. Call it forth with authority in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Where did Becky? There she is. You two are together. You're joined together. That doesn't mean that you're an apostle too. It doesn't mean that. But it does mean you're in the ministry. Uh, by nature of the fact you're married to him. But even beyond that, there is a call and an anointing on your life for leadership and even for government in the house of the Lord. So in Jesus' name, I anoint you with oil. And I thank you, Lord, for this woman of God, a faithful woman, faithful woman, faithfully, Lord, putting her hand to the work that you've set before her. She's not pulled back. She's not flinched or run away, but she stands still there. Lord, I ask that you would cause a special measure of your grace to rest on her and wisdom, wisdom in Jesus' name. As the first lady of this house, God, raise up other faithful women around her who will lift up her arms, stand with her in Jesus' name. Mm -mm. Hallelujah. That she truly will walk as the first lady of the house. In Jesus' name. Not because she demands it, but because she knows who she is. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. I love you. But the best use of that and the utilization of it is to multiply it and distribute it and to raise up others. And it's not everybody, but those that you see, just as I said uh, to Don, those you see more, you see more in them than they see, maybe. Yeah. And sometimes you'll see less than they see, and that's okay too. <laughs> but but you see what God shows you and develop that. Invest there, okay. And I believe the day will come when that you will be, even as Kenaniah was in with David, uh, the master of the song, not because he did all of it. In fact, as you read the book of Psalms. He didn't write a whole lot of songs, but he was raising up worship leaders and worshipers and teaching and instructing and discipling. And uh, I believe, and that's what I see, that you will be a Kenaniah that God uses to uh, blaze the trail and to pioneer in some places others aren't walking. Okay? I love you, sir. Amen. Amen. Chuck, yeah, Janice. I love you guys.
I know I say that a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but I do, and I appreciate the gift of God I've seen in you, the call of God, and not in you only, but on you, and the gifts that you are. Uh, apostle isn't a gift he puts in somebody, it's he makes them to be. I mean, they, that is the gift. The person who has that gifting in them, and it's on them, I don't know how you separate it from being filling them up and anointing them. It's just, and they are that, or a prophet, or whatever the gifting is. And that's what God has made you to be, both of you. You don't have to prove anything. You just walk in what He's given you to be, who He's called you to be, and that carries a weight. It just it carries a weight its own of its own. And I bless you because there are so, people, so many people that I've seen who were functioning at a, at a point as the senior minister at a place. And then for whatever reason, they ended up not being that. But they were totally, utterly out of place, a square peg in a round hole ever after that because they never could get over what they functioned as in the past. And I do not see that with you guys. You have come here and you have found a place, uh, a nesting place, not a resting place, but a nesting place where you can be fed and nurtured and serve and go from and come back. I mean, that's not done. Maybe in a different uh, mode and in a different way. But I'm just saying to you, God put some go in you. Okay? And, that's, and that's, not, that's not an evil thing, and it's not a remnant from the past. That's a God thing. Okay? I love you, and I bless you. In Jesus' name, Lord, fresh wisdom and anointing on both this man and woman. Thank you for them. Oh, God. Multiply. Multiply their harvest. Everything they've sown. Not just money, but time, giftings, authority, whatever. Multiply it back in Jesus' name. <laughs> and they shall come rejoicing, bringing their sheaves with them. The harvest. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Praise God. What was your name, brother? John and Jean. And if I understood right, you over the kind of the teaching and the Bible school and the instruction. Okay, awesome. I want to tell you, I love that. I absolutely love it. And uh, I don't believe that any work of God will have much sustainability that doesn't have the educational piece melded to it, welded to it, because that ensures duration and longevity. Uh, we need not only to experience the glory and the goodness of God, but we need to understand what it is we've experienced and how to transmit that to another generation. Yes. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this, your servant. Hallelujah. Give him a fresh anointing, fresh oil. Hallelujah. That as he teaches and as Dean and as he leads these men and women into deeper depths of your word, that it will not be information only, but revelation. Yes. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. That, Lord, even as he speaks, there will be revelation. Light will break forth speedily. Bless this woman. 
Oh God, I know her heart beats with the same anointing. Bless her, bless her, bless her. And make her a blessing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, give him many souls to pour into. Hallelujah. Many vessels to fill in Jesus' name. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Bless you, sister. Lord, I thank you for every one of these leaders. I just ask you that they'll receive the authority you've trusted to them. And they'll be bold in walking it out in Jesus' name and exercising it, demonstrating it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Praise God. Thank you that you're raising up a whole new generation, Lord, who are going to walk as sons of the kingdom of God. Daughters and sons of the king who walk in that authority confidently and exercise that authority with great grace in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for my sister. Bless her. Anoint her. Give her freshness in her own life. Freshness. Lord, that it won't become stale or or wearisome, but there will be a freshness and that the joy of the Lord will be her strength. Hallelujah. When in doubt, shout. Hallelujah. When the devil comes and tries to just deflect you and turn you aside, set your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And then the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Fresh joy in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Uh, What was your name? Donovan. Donovan. You and the brother on the end here, what was your name, sir? Nathaniel. I just want to say to you that I believe that both of you guys are the first fruits of some of the African community. Uh, I believe that the face of every church ought to look like the face of the community. I don't think that means we need to bust people in to make it look a certain way. But if whatever is in our community, that that ought to reflect the face of this congregation. And I want to say to you, I believe that there are many members in the African-American community who need what this church offers. And many times they're not going to hear as clearly from a white face as they will from a face that looks like them. And so I just want to say to both you guys, reach out, exercise the authority, and speak the Word of God. And when you do, you'll do it with authority, and others will say, man, I'm amazed. He speaks as one having authority. And you came by it legally. Because Jesus distributed that to all of us, that same authority. And I want to say to you, when we quit looking at color and culture and start looking at the souls of men, then a lot of the stuff that uh, separates people will fall to the ground. Just not important anymore. Uh, I've got sons in the Lord, daughters in the Lord from different races. And I want to tell you, I don't see a black son or a a black daughter or an Asian daughter or a Hispanic son. I just see people, sons, sons of the kingdom, daughters of the kingdom. And when you see that, I mean, it, uh, it, all the other stuff just kind of, it's not important. Here's the deal. We all come from a culture. Some of us from Polish culture, Italian culture, uh, African-American culture, Scots culture, mountain culture, who cares? Doesn't matter. It's all just different boxes. But let me just say clearly to you, 
God has called us to a different plane. He's called us to kingdom culture. And that's a higher culture than any of the others. None of those others are evil. There's some really nice things in them. Good things. And also some trash in them. But what he's called us to is kingdom culture, which is higher than any other. And I'll say to you, kingdom culture cuts across the grain of every other culture at some place. And when it does, I renounce Scott's English culture and I say yes to kingdom culture. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for my sister. I know she loves you. Lord, I release in her a fresh anointing, fresh authority in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Sister, you're a leader. You're a leader. I don't know what your function, your title is, but you're a leader. And uh, you're like a Miriam. When you start playing the tambourine, everybody starts dancing. (laughs) Hallelujah. Father, thank you for my sister. Lord, bless her. I pray a fresh anointing. A double portion of the anointing you put in her, of faithfulness, of diligence in the house of the Lord, diligence in serving the family of God in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for Brother Usher of the house of Usher. Amen. Bless you. Lord, I thank you for my brother. I thank you that he's a faithful man, even a doorkeeper in the house of our God. Thank you. Lord, multiply to him. He's been faithful with what you have handed to him. Now I ask you to multiply it. Teach him to profit with what you've put in his hands. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. He's not just called you to do, but to teach others how to do. Take him under your wing. I mean, literally, I'm not talking about a classroom so much, but just... With what you've learned and how you've learned to serve faithfully, you can come alongside and you can help a lot of younger people know how to do that. Amen. Lord, I thank you for my brother. I thank you for this man who loves you, loves this church, loves his pastor. Lord, bless him. Bless the work of his hands. Bless the words of his mouth in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Multiply what you put in him. (laughs) Thank you. Son, just receive the authority he's given you and walk in it. You don't have to defend it. You don't have to to preach to everybody what they ought to do. Just be what he calls you to be. Amen. And it'll make room for itself. All right? Amen. Nathaniel, that's a good name. I like that name. Lord bless my brother. And Father, I ask you to anoint him with a fresh anointing today. Hallelujah. Mm -mm -mm. Hallelujah. I feel like the Lord says, uh, son, you've been faithful a lot of places in different, different settings. But God said, I have brought you to a place where you will flourish. And much of the faithful service you have sown in other places that was not fully appreciated. God said the harvest the interest on what you've sown will accrue to your account in these days. Much that you've sown before and it seemed like didn't produce much, God said now is the time when that investment will come due. And God said, I'm going to cause it to come in abundance. Abundance. Albert Einstein said he had discovered the eighth wonder of the world. And everybody, all the big wigs, 
well, what is it? What is it? This brilliant man. He said, it's compound interest. He said, it starts off so infinitesimally slow, uh, slow and little. It has to be just not even worth noticing. But he said, if you let it ride long enough, it becomes an overpowering force that astounds everybody that sees it. But it only happens with time. And that's what I feel like God said with you. There's been a lot of investment, faithful, 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 faithful. It didn't seem to produce much. But God said the compound interest is kicking in. Amen. Bless you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Where, where is Russ? Russ, are you here? Probably upstairs. Russ, Russ, we impart to you, brother. If you got time, just come down here for just a moment. And Frank, I want you to anoint Russ. He, he's behind the scenes. Nobody sees him. But he's working diligently over the media team and all that's going on there. Yeah. And uh, we definitely want to lay hands on him. You guys can be seated. And ushers, would you prepare for communion? Go ahead and take the elements. Just begin to distribute them as we do this, just in the interest of time. If you would do that. Father, I thank you for my brother, a good man. And Lord, I thank you that he has been and he is faithful in the house of the Lord. And Father, even uh, the Lord says that even the same as with Nathaniel, you've done a lot of things behind the scenes that nobody did notice. But God said, I noticed. And I took account of it, took notice of it. And there is a harvest and there is, uh, there is a return coming back to you. Hallelujah. Now, and I just, I want to say to you, uh, I know you've walked through a difficult time this past year, and we were praying with you and your wife and uh, your family during that. And God is faithful. God is faithful. And He can do what nobody else can do. When they say it can't be done, but God. And God does. Now, what I want to say to you is, son, Getting married, having a family, and raising a family can be really distracting. I mean, it can take your attention, your time, your energy, all of that. But in all of your doing, do those things faithfully, but don't let it steal your passion for God. Don't let it steal. He's your first love. He's your first love. And He's the one that can do what nobody else can do. So, son, press in. And just stay close to him. David, when he became king, the first thing he did after he fought off an attack by the Philistines, he brought the ark into Jerusalem. And that's when he danced with all of his might. I mean, just exhausted himself. And Michal despised him. And, uh, but it said, but the people loved him. And I want to say to you, there is something about you losing yourself in God that makes you handsome and beautiful and desirable. I'm serious. It's the beauty of the Lord. When that comes upon your face, uh, it makes you more manly and more handsome than any of the other men of Israel. And uh, David didn't do it for that reason. He did it because of his passion for God. And I want to say to you, Russ, don't ever, don't ever let your first love get cold. Okay, press in 
and just and, and just worship God with all your energy. David didn't say, well, the Lord came on me and I couldn't help it. He said, if you were upset by that, sister, you ain't seen nothing yet. I will be yet the more vile in your eyes. I will be more outrageous in my worship. Press in. I love you. Praise the Lord. Well, everyone should have received the communion elements by now. And um, so would you, would you just come on up? Praise the Lord. Gentlemen, just come on up. And uh, our time's getting away from us. And I appreciate your patience this morning. We're not normally this long-winded, and, and, but we've had a lot going on this morning. So we appreciate your time. We know your time is valuable. But, you know, communion is uh, something that the Lord commanded for the church. Two ordinances he gave for the church, water baptism and communion, those two. And once a month, we want to observe the Lord and remember his goodness and what he did at Calvary. And, and Jesus said, if you don't eat this bread, if you don't eat my body, which the bread represents his body, and drink his blood, which the wine drinks his blood, he said, you have none of me. What is he saying? The price of redemption was the broken body of Jesus and his blood that was shed. And that's what we remember this morning, his healing power, his saving power. And we want to honor that and glorify God in that. So um, as we receive the communion elements, um, everyone has the bread. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.22, For I have received of the Lord that which I also have for I have delivered unto you that which I also received of the Lord Jesus in the night which he was betrayed. He took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take it, eat it, and as often as you eat it, do this in remembrance of me. So we're going to give thanks. And we're going to eat together. So let's just take the bread. Let's just give thanks. Lord, we thank you, Father, that you paid a price for us for our redemption. The price was your own son who laid down his body, Lord, to redeem us from our sicknesses and our diseases, Lord, who took upon himself the beating for our transgressions. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. And we thank you for that, Lord, and we honor you. We honor you, Jesus, and we remember what you did for us, and we thank you. Let's break the bread together and eat together. And Paul said he took also the cup. And he said, this cup is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for you. Take this and drink it. And as often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. You see, Jesus established a lasting covenant. The only way a covenant could be established was through the shedding of blood. He didn't shed another's blood. He shed his own blood to establish a covenant of love, a covenant of grace with us. And that's what he did at Calvary. When he died on the cross and poured out his blood, it was for the washing away, the total eradication and forgiveness of our sins. And Lord, we thank you for that. Not only for the forgiveness of our sins, but that we would be restored to our rightful place in the kingdom of God as sons and daughters. So, Lord, we thank you for it. And we drink this cup together.
in remembrance of what Jesus did. Let's drink it together. And so, Lord, we thank you, Father. And as we prepare to go our separate ways this morning, we go with this thought lingering in our mind. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your body that was shed for me. And because of it, Lord, I'm a free man who himself bear our sins, our sins in his own body on that tree that we being dead to sins might live, might live under righteousness and by whose stripes you were healed. Thank you, Lord. And Father, we celebrate that. We honor that in Jesus' name. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Praise the Lord. I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pronounce blessing upon you, upon your coming in and your going out, upon everything you put your hand to do, upon your children, your children's children. I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus, and I thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. You're dismissed. Thank you for coming and being part of this service. Amen. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.